Well, welcome to WNZN Radio, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Very happy you turned in today to the station. And uh, once again, this is 89.1 FM Radio. And very uh, happy this Christmas season, David. You know, uh, Great to be here, John. Yeah, boy, it's upon us, isn't it? <laughs> the year is rapidly... One of the greatest holidays of them all. Coming yeah. to a close. Right. And I always say I like the fact that first comes Thanksgiving. Yeah. Then comes Christmas, and then comes New Year. Yes. Kind of helps you stage, yes. you know, for this new, brand new year that's upon us. So, you know, mm-hmm. we covered a lot of topics this past year, David, uh, oh, yeah. in 2022. I mean, a lot. Bible, books mm-hmm. of the Bible, book of Revelation, seven churches, apologetics, of guest yeah. speakers and ministries and missionaries from around the world. Yeah. So as this year comes to a close, it's kind of an offbeat topic, but it's not studied that much. It's certainly not preached that much. But it's this whole idea of clothing and or garments in the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Right. And I thought we'd start out by looking at uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 12. Okay. Because it's Christmas, I wanted to start off with clothing. Good idea. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Okay. Now, some will say swaddling clothes, but the idea that Mm -hmm. they're going to find this little baby wrapped in this type of blanket or bundling, whatever you want to call it. But that's the start of the ministry of Jesus. I'm identifying him was he was wrapped in uh, swaddling clothes right. and lying in a manger, probably with hay and for cushion, but we don't know. But mm-hmm. that, that kind of gets us kind of intrigued because, and we'll come to it later, but the whole thing of clothing in the life of Jesus, we're going to study that as we move further along. It's very, very interesting. But when you study clothing, and there's different levels you can study clothing in the Bible. Yeah. One, it's very practical. What it talks about, you know, having clothing, proper clothing for the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Kings have royal garments. Priests have special garments. Yeah. If you're weeping and mourning, uh, repenting of sin, you might wear sackcloth. Uh, it has spiritual significance. We're going to see right. that. And it also has symbolic uh, meaning. Uh, when we're clothed with the robes mm-hmm. washed in the blood of the Lamb. So as we go through it, I think we can learn a lot about uh, not just clothing, but about character, behavior, uh, starting way back in Genesis. And of course, when God creates Adam and Eve, way back in Genesis, right. they're naked and, and they're not really ashamed. Or, or right. you know, th- th- That's an important point. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, cl- you know, animals are clothed, you know, feathers right. or fur yeah. or whatever. Right. Man is not, and he doesn't realize it or feels no shame mm-hmm. until... Um, you come to the, they disobey God, they obey Satan, they turn their back mm-hmm. on God, and then they suffer this judgment. And part of it is, uh, you'll see, is they now know they're naked. If you look at uh, right. chapter 3 of Revelation. Um, or Genesis, you mean? Uh, Genesis, I'm sorry, yeah, Genesis okay. chapter 3, verse 7. This uh-huh. is after they sin, and now, you know, when you go to verse 7, there's the consequences of sin. Right. Then the eyes of both, of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So here's the start of it. It's uh-huh. um, it's the idea that they know something has changed. Okay, something right. has changed, and they need to be covered. Now, why is that? We might touch on this later. But and so, what are they going to do? Well, <laughs> they're kind of living in this garden paradise. Yeah. And so they take fig leaves. Now, that's important. It just doesn't say leaves. It says fig leaves. And I think that has significance in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. They take fig leaves and they try to cover their nakedness. And now when God appears on the scene in verse 8, 
He says, then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that interesting? They hear the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, and he's looking for Adam and Eve. Now, we know, of course, God knows where they're at, but it's interesting. It says, he's walking in the garden of Eden, and and it says, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. See, man always wants to hide himself from God. Yeah. Because when he comes to God, he's accountable, and that's where you come to salvation. Once you, but they're hiding. Man is still hiding from God among the in the shade of the trees. And God says, where are you? And they, they, they go, we're scared. You know, we heard your voice, and we're naked. See how they say that yeah. in verse 10, we're naked. The, right. Who told you that you were naked? And so now God is dealing with the sin issue. It's very interesting, I find, David, yeah. where it says he's walking and he's looking. He's seeking <clears throat> for a lost man. Mm -hmm. And he wants to start this whole process of redemption by first pointing out their yeah. shame or their yeah. sin. Well, in Luke 19, it says of Jesus, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. In other words, Jesus' ministry, his walking yeah. ministry, was coming to seek, just like God in yeah. the Garden of Eden. It's very right. interesting symmetry there. And, of course, we know... What happens here? They, you know, God's going to pronounce mm -hmm. a curse on, on, on the serpent. Uh, he's going to uh, have consequential, you know, yeah. outcomes of this on, on the woman. You're going to bring forth children in, in, in a pain. Uh, the earth is not going to give up. It's not going to be no longer like a paradise garden. You're going to have to work <clears throat> by the sweat of your brows like a farmer, dig a right. plant and seed. And then um, that, that's it. I mean, they go forward. But the, the, the scene has been set mm -hmm. that these people now, what's interesting here is how God clothes them. Right. And you'll see that um, where, where it says... Is it, that it, verse it, 21? Yeah, you got that? You want yeah, to read that? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's uh, Genesis three twenty one. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Okay. So, yeah, he had to kill. I mean, he had to kill the animal in order to show them how to make atonement, right? Because well, yeah, it had to well, be a sacrifice. That's why the fig leaves, because it's curious, you know, why did the fig leaves, why didn't that work? But God had to do it to show them how to make atonement, yeah, right? No man-made thing will cover our guilt and sin. Right. See, this was a man-made thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Seriously. Okay. So no works of righteousness right. that we do is going to cover. Man always right. is trying to cover sin. That's yes. why even Pilate, yeah. he tries to wash away the guilt. Remember, he's got right. water. He's got, they yeah. can't do it. Right. So what God does, notice this is initiated by God. <clears throat> yeah. But he comes and he something's going to die. Mm -hmm. So what we know is about uh, the innocent dies for the guilty. Right. That's an important point. Okay. Number two, there's the shedding of blood. Number three, it's an adequate garment to cover their nakedness. Right. And this kind of is like a picture of mm -hmm. one day the perfect sacrifice will come. Right. The innocent will die yes. for the guilty. Blood will be shed <clears throat> and we're covered with the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. That's what I'll say in 2 Corinthians 5. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. I mean, what did the animal do wrong? Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. You see? So right I, from the beginning pages, you're getting these little... Uh, snapshots these little glimpses these shadows of what's going to come yeah it's curious of why they even thought nakedness was a sin because they were naked the whole time so you know we're it it, it almost suggests that if they thought if that was a sin they were sinning the entire time prior to taking the fruit you know it just is curious of why why they thought that was a sin John. something may have happened yeah oh uh, yeah i mean their bodies may have been a little bit different we mm -hmm. know when god made them uh, they were uh, perfect specimens, okay? Right. Yeah. Now, did something happen uh, <clears throat> to their, their physical bodies when they 
Um, did their eyesight change in terms of how they viewed their situation with I the eyes? Because you know I, how I, we talk about that yeah, a lot? Like yeah. when you, you know, we Darkness. are blinded yeah. and then... Here's a thought. I put this uh, on the table. Some yeah. theologians, don't, some agree, some disagree. I'm just putting it out yeah. there. It says in Psalm... 104 verse 2 that God wraps himself in light as with a garment. Okay, God is uh, radiant, okay, luminous, if you will. Now, when he makes Adam and Eve, it says, in his image he created them, a male and female. Mm -hmm. Was Adam and Eve clothed with some kind of light? We don't want to make, and then once they disobey God mm -hmm. and turn their back on God, did they lose it? And now they're trying to cover that which they once had. Oh, that, I don't. Yeah. I'm putting that. Yeah, I'm, that's, now, good theologians go either direction on this. That's that's very interesting. I've never heard see, that before. Yeah. Well, now remember what Jesus Transfiguration. He's the perfect man, right? Right. And what is it? He's luminous. Yeah. At that moment, yeah. he's luminous. And when we Revelation one, when Jesus appears to John, in the, he's luminous. And when it says we in uh, the saints at the end <clears> of the book of Revelation are clothed in white robes. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Is that symbolic language? We know our bodies are going to be like Jesus when we're resurrected. They're going to be, you know, resurrection body. Are they going to be luminous? Well, uh, that's an yeah. So doesn't it also tie in to that they were the only other two perfect creations without sin prior to the sin, yes. mm -hmm. like Christ? Yes. That's so a good did, point. did their bodies then seem to them to be? I don't know, a, a problem, you know, having their we body. We don't know. Yeah, and it's I don't just want to so, press it too much. I, I know, it's just, it it's, was really odd. It is interesting, yeah. okay. though, that the sense of it is, David, that yeah. we're going to get a resurrection body. We right. know that. Now, <clears> it's <throat> going to be different. It's going to be glorious. Mm -hmm. It's going to be perhaps luminous or light, you know. Uh, but is that, is, did they know something was wrong now? Yeah, And they exactly. had to cover yeah. it. Could now, probably. why it's interesting fig leaves mm -hmm. is because there's only one thing Jesus curses in his earthly ministry. Yeah, it's the, it's the fig tree. It's right on Passion yeah. Week before he dies. Mm -hmm. He goes into Israel right. and he sees a, a, a fig, fig tree, tree yeah. and he goes up to it. It has no fruit. Right. It only has leaves. Well, see, fruit would have been a sign of life. And Israel at that time was going to be judged because they're mm -hmm. killing their Messiah. Yeah. And it says um, he comes there and he says it only has leaves, but it says fig leaves. So it was a show of religion, perhaps, mm -hmm. but no yeah. life. All ritual. We don't know for sure, but I mean, it is interesting how mm -hmm. it happens right before that. Yeah. And it mentions it specifically fig leaves. Yeah. Uh, so if you stretch it forward, this would be like anyone that anything they try to cover sin and shame and right. guilt, any of the works of our hands are not adequate. We need the shedding of blood. Yeah. That's why the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So as we move yeah. forward, one thing you're going to find out in the scripture is nakedness is bad. Yeah. Nudity is, is usually a sign of, of sin, of judgment. Uh, we see this even early on when Noah's sons go in uh -huh. and they see him sleeping. Well, now he got drunk right or prior to that, right? Right, right. But it will say that um, even though he's a righteous man, I mean, and, but in, in chapter uh, uh, 9, it will say, and Noah began uh, to be the farmer, and he planted a vineyard. He drank wine, and he and he uncovered himself. He was naked, and his two sons go in to cover him. But naked is looking at as a bad thing. Yeah, right. That's why we're supposed to be properly clothed. Now, this mm -hmm. is even in a practical sense, mm -hmm. modesty. But in a spiritual sense, we have to be clothed with the righteousness <clears throat> of Christ. Yeah. So all the way through the scripture, uh, this is a whole separate topic, 
but the idea of nakedness, and that leads to our modern culture of pornography. Yes, it's it's, it's a it's a it's a bad thing. Yes, you see it what is. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, the scripture again will speak much about clothing, and even in uh, as we move our way through Genesis, yeah, uh, you'll see that Joseph is the preferred son of his brothers, and what does the father give him? A coat yeah. of many, many colors. colors, right? So. Clothing often it can reflect character or it can reflect status. It can reflect wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking in the scripture, and all of these yeah. things. And it can also, for example, they they disguise themselves. When you look at, um, let's say, uh, Jacob and uh, Esau. Well, what does Jacob do to disguise himself and be like his brother? He puts on a coat of uh, hair because yeah. his brother was hair. You know, to trick his father. It's the same thing when you move forward. Um, when um, uh, Judah uh, yeah. it, it goes sees Tamar, who is really his <clears throat> daughter-in-law, but she wants to get the birthright, and she disguised herself in the clothing of a prostitute. See, trickery. You know, So yeah. clothing is used like that, too. It can reveal character. Right. Like I say, it can reveal status. It can reveal uh, wealth, position, but it can also be used to mislead people. Yeah. And, and there's a lot to it early on from Genesis about the atonement, about cleansing, mm-hmm. uh, you have to come to God with clean garments, right? Right, and so you, you see a lot of that, um, and you know that even in Genesis thirty-five two, we see Jacob instructing his household to put on clean clothing prior to making covenant with God. Then, after the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt, we again find clothing to be cleansed prior to making covenant with God. That's in Exodus nineteen. 10 through 14. Do you want me to read that? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, So when Moses told the words of his people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. That's it. Good point, David. Yeah. It, it, again, it's, it's, it's preparation for worship. Right. That, but it's not just the body, which has got to be cleansed, but the garments themselves. That ties in with Zechariah. This is a heavenly scene um, in Zechariah 3 where it says, he's having his vision of heaven. He says, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, uh-huh. and Satan standing at the right hand to yeah. oppose him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Rebuke you. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And he answered, this is God, and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Yeah. And to him he said, See, I remove <clears throat> your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. Yeah, did, did you, again, you see the... Um, Clean, yeah. uh, radiant robes is an indication of character. Yeah, uh, that that's an important point as you go as we scroll through this whole thing with clothing. Uh, it's it's it, really it, an interesting study. Go on. Yeah, it, and I also like there in Zechariah Zechariah three six to seven, God says of the host, "If you walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here." Mm-hmm. But you got to be in with pure vestments. That's they, the, they can't be filthy from right, John, from sin in your past and right. Yeah, exactly right. In other yeah. words, you got to be in right standing. And what yeah. what is uh, what displays that is the clothing issue. Yeah, I guess that's what we're getting after. Right. And yeah. Then, then exactly. As you move along, 
in the scriptures, you'll see that time and again, is what, what does the clothing look like? Matter of fact, Jesus <clears throat> will even talk about having a, in a parable in Matthew chapter 22, where he talks about having a pr proper uh, clothing when you go to the wedding feast. Now, we know in ancient times, you, even today, you, you should dress up to go to a wedding, actually. But in Matthew 22, he's given this parable. Uh, let me get there real quick. i got to see the exact word. Um, but the idea being here, um, marriage feast is, is verse 1. He says where the kingdom, of, you can read it, but the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage. He sent out servants to call for those who were invited to the wedding. They were not willing to come. <clears throat> Others were invited. I'm, making, I'm shortening this down here. Yeah. And then they come, and then... Um, yeah, that's then a it good says, one. Therefore, he goes into the highways and byways. So the servants sent out, gathered all around. Now he's bringing them all in, right? Yeah. Different ones. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in without a wedding garment? He, and he was speechless. In other words, sinners are speechless before God at judgment, mm -hmm. right? Then the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him to outer darkness. Yeah. There'll be... Because he's not properly clothed mm -hmm. with righteousness. Yeah. See, that's 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 where he's using this kind of metaphor. Um, what was actually the first mention of clothing in the New Testament? The reference of what I wrote. Well, it depends. I mean, is it if you look at the prodigal in mm -hmm. chapter fifteen of Luke? Mm -hmm. Remember, he goes out. Where is he? He's living with pigs. He's feeding oh, yeah, pigs. Right. What happens when he comes back to the father? He's repentant. Mm -hmm. The father's going to give him a ring, right? Sandals and a robe, and then the feast and all that. Okay. So he's, he's yeah. so to speak. He's now appropriately mm -hmm. dressed for the position of a son, right? Uh, and, and again, you're going to see this theme kind of woven literally right, right. Uh, through the scriptures. Right. Now, what happens with clothing, and you'll see this in several places of the scripture, is when people repent, right. they often take off their clothes and put on sackcloth. And ashes. And then they throw ashes right. above them. What yeah. it means like, um, this is who I am. I, I, I don't have anything good of myself. I, I'm humbled. Uh, you know, if somebody's really well-dressed, they're kind of displaying wealth, are they not? Even today, if you wear a oh, sure. $1,000 suit <clears throat> and a silk tie and a, you know, mm -hmm. you're just... But when you humble yourself, even in uh, yeah. Nineveh, when Jonah went there to preach, even the king himself yeah. wore sackcloth, which is an indication of humbleness, humility. Yes. I'm broken. Right. right. I got, you know, and I'm calling out on the Lord. But again, that's with the sackcloth. So do you see this, David, how yes. this thing moves along? All the way through. And so to our readers, <clears throat> those that are listening this morning, um, as you study the scripture, you'll see there's these kind of themes that come in and out. And when you come to the one of clothing, the beauty of this is is we're shown how to be properly clothed, you know, and what to do. And now it's used symbolically. We're going to look at that. We're going to kind of flip a little back and forth. Right. But if you look at Colossians chapter three for a moment, <clears throat> Colossians chapter three, it it, it makes this uh, symbolic reference to clothes, which I think is really kind of cool. Um, Okay. Colossians chapter three. Yeah. So if you look at, um, first of all, you got to be a believer. If you look at verses uh, one through three of chapter sure. three. Sure. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ 
who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So there's, this is for believers, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, yeah. oh, if you're yeah. risen with Christ. Now, then he says, he goes into this symbolic language. He says, therefore <clears throat> put to death your members which were on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, all of these kind of things, yeah. right? Greed, and then as you idolatry. move down, yeah. um, he will say in verse uh, 9, do not lie one another since you have put off the old man and put on the new man. Mm-hmm. You see this kind of clothing? Yeah. You know, you're putting off your old clothes. You're putting on new clothes. He says, um, uh, he, he kind of builds on this kind of thing um, uh, as dearly beloved. You know. So think about it like this. When Jesus goes to raise Lazarus, right? Remember, I was just thinking he that. He was yeah. dead four days, you right? Know, and he was he was actually decayed. The, right. the corpse was decayed, right? So Jesus says to the apostles or whoever was there, "Move the stone." We know there's a large yeah. burial stone in front of these tombs, and then Jesus says, "Lazarus, come forth," and he comes forth, and then Jesus says to his followers. Take away his grave clothes mm-hmm. because it's it, that's how they they bundle you up in a, a shroud. Right, but it's a perfect picture of us. Before we come to Christ, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Right, we're dead. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. But what to remove the the stone in front? There might be obstacles mm-hmm. that are preventing us from hearing the word of God. Right. You know. Right. And then we hear it, uh, new life. But when we come forth, we're new believer in Christ, but we still have grave clothes on, habits, sins, patterns. And so we need, as it says in Colossians, put those off Mm -hmm. so you can put on the new robe of righteousness. And so you'll see how this thing is used really in a cool way, metaphorically or symbolically in the scripture. Absolutely. Yeah. You might have a note on, on one of those, David. I don't... Yeah, well, you know, uh, the, the other one that I liked is uh, is 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5, where Paul further connects the dots of clothing metaphor when he writes, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. There you go. Yeah. So there you That's a real use of it. And then he talks about being naked again, like back to Genesis. The picture there is a tent. Right. You know, that that we're, we're, we're living in, in other words, we're living in this body now. Yeah. But the essential thing is, of course, the person. And one day we have to put this tent off yeah. when we die. Right. And then we're going to be clothed with immortality, mm-hmm. you know, with a, what's called the resurrection body. But uh, this language is used. So people all through the ages, even, let's say, illiterate people that don't have a, a real good grasp of language, they could understand, okay, you live in a tent or you live in a house. One day the, house, the tent may go away. One day we're going to die. Yeah. Okay? So the yeah. Bible says, but you're going to live on. Mm-hmm. The, the essential being, you know, your soul will live on. But the key there is uh, the outer, this outer vestment is going to go away and we're going to get a new one. Isn't the outer vestment Christ? No, it's it, and it's tent is the body. Okay, because I when it says we may not be found naked, I just, I, I thought that they were referring to sin. 
uh, nakedness is sin, and that's why we need to be clothed with with Christ and following well, him. Well, yeah. Peter will use the same thing about okay. the tent. Okay, okay. He'll say, I have to put this tent off shortly. I think that's sure. the word he uses. All right. But it's his body. Now, they knew they knew back then tents, you know, the... the yeah. Um, you know, these shepherds and that, they, they oh, yeah. like these tents, but they're very temperate. Just like our body. You know, we got it maybe 80 years, 100 years. That's it. We got to put this tent off. But then we're, we're going to be clothed, uh, particularly at the resurrection, with a new body. He talks about yeah. that in first. Is it, are you in First Corinthians 15? Um, yeah, so I was in Second um, uh, Corinthians 5, 1 to 5. Okay. Yeah. Well, First Corinthians 15. One, let's look there then. We'll talk a little bit more about okay. this idea. Um um, one Corinthians. What were you in? First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen. Sure. Okay. And if you look at uh, verse fifty-one through fifty-four. <clears throat> fifty-one through fifty-four. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Listen, I tell you uh, a mystery: we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishably, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. See that? The corruptible is our our body. Our bodies are getting weaker, oh, getting yeah. older, yeah. arthritis is setting in. Yeah. But one day this corruptible body will be clothed with incorruptibility. It's like putting off the old and putting on the yeah. new. You see, that's sure. the beauty. It's a nice reference. No other re- religion, no other faith has this promise of this change. That's why I always say, if you study other religions, they're basically informational. Do right. this, don't do that, don't eat this, mm-hmm. pray five times yeah. a day. Ours is transformational. It's, it's when you believe in Jesus Christ, it says in John chapter 1, uh, to as many as believed in him, to them he gave the privilege to become a child of God. Now all of a sudden, you're like different. You yeah. know, you're, you're transformed. Yeah. You know, it's not just keeping a set of rules and regulations. But because Jesus rose from the dead, one day we're going to rise from the dead. And when we do, just like he had a resurrection yeah. body, we're going to have a resurrection body. It's and powerful stuff. It, it is, and we we have to get our house in order because we're all gonna uh, go before the judgment seat of Christ, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, and and that's yeah, that's why this is so important to understand. See, believers yeah. go before the judgment seat of Christ. That's yeah. different than what's known as the great white throne at the end of Revelation. That's for sinners. Yes. That's for unbelievers. Yes. But believers go before the judgment seat of Christ. Like if you're in the Olympics, are you gonna right. finish first place yeah. or third right. place? So you're going to receive a reward for faithful service here. You know, how do we use our yes. time? How do we use yes. our money? How do we use the gifts God has given to us? Mm-hmm. And so if we use them properly, there's reward. That's why Paul says, I know there's a crown laid up for me, you know, a soul <clears throat> crown. Jesus says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, yeah. you won't lose your reward. The Bible admonishes us. We'll do a whole study on this one day. Lay up treasures in heaven yeah. where moth and rust and thief mm-hmm. can't break in and destroy it. So... In a sense, that's really what we're doing while we're still alive on this on this earth as a Christian. That's why God doesn't take us home right away. He wants us to, whatever our job or career or age, we can be glorifying God some way, somehow. Yeah. And by doing that, we are we are actually um, 
actually laying up treasures in heaven that we can enjoy throughout eternity. Yeah. Now, um, it's a couple of interesting things about clothing. One of the things it says about the Israelites when God gives them out of the Egypt and right. they're going through the wilderness in mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 8.4 and Deuteronomy 29.5, it says their clothes and their shoes do not wear out. He protected their clothing, you know, <laughs> because where are they going to make clothes yeah. and all that? But he divinely protected their clothing. Um, now, as you move along, one thing we saw in Revelation is some of the believers were defiling their garments by the world. You know, okay. in other words, they were they were kind of like um, not 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 clean. Uh, if you okay. remember, um, yeah, what we said, uh, he says. Uh, so, where do you want to go? Um, Revelation 3, 4 yeah, and 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you still have a few, let's see. So the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white yeah, garments, and I will never blot this name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That's Revelation 3, 4 5. Yeah. You see how he, he yeah. talks about that, the, the cleansing of the garments? Yeah. Um, we he come says full in verse circle. 4, yeah. chapter 3, verse 4. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. Right. They shall walk with me in white, and they are worthy. There you have that idea, again, of garments, and they're going to be walking with the Lord in uh, these these kind of a... Uh, it means yeah. righteousness. Right. Where, where if you walk through the world and you get contaminated by sin and the practice of the world, immorality, all of this stuff, it's what they call you're, you're spotting your garments. You're, and that's why the whole thing with with what we're doing right now as a bride gets ready for the bridegroom. Yeah. Paul says, I want to present you pure and spotless garments. You know, like a, right. like a, 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 a the bride gets ready for the wedding. Mm-hmm. She wants to make sure that dress is like white and oh, it's yeah. got lace. Yeah. Well, that's our character right now. Right. Where we're making sure we're not contaminated. We're not spotted by the world. Mm-hmm. We're not being drunkards. We're not pornography. We're not this. And we're, we're preparing and that's why it'll say in First John, as many as have this hope that Jesus is returning, we purify ourselves. But it's used that garment is used. That garment is yeah. used. Yeah. Well, it, here, here's here's why I was mentioning the nakedness and sin. Then at the end of the same chapter, uh, Revelation three, we're part of the severe, you know, the severe letter to uh, Laodicea. Laodicea so the the seven churches that Christ critiques, uh-huh. and he points out that the church in Laodicea was wealthy. In temporal terms, but in the spiritual terms, had no clothes. So Revelation 3, 17, 18, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Naked, I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. There you go. Yeah, exactly right. In other words... Uh, the garments there are um, um, purity. You know, it, yeah. this church was loose. I mean, whatever they were doing, they were being contaminated by the world. Same thing today. We can be contaminated by the world. You can still be a believer, but you're, we have to guard our garments. You know, it's like, um, I'm trying to think. Like some animals really clean themselves. You know, they really, oh, yeah. they don't like, they be, they're like <clears throat> a, a fox or a right. mink or something right. like this. They just want, want to be clean. Whereas other, a pig or something like yeah. that, they wallow in it. And but some are really right. conscious yeah. and they lick the fur and all this kind yeah. of stuff. Well, so too, we have to be conscious on a daily basis. Because mm-hmm. we're walking through a fallen world, man. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And these literal garments, our character can be spotted. 
you know, and uh, all of the scripture. So, I mean, if you're yeah. listening here, WNZN, maybe this is new to you, uh, but this study is like really important because you can see from Genesis to Revelation, this issue of garments. In a moment, we're going to look at the whole thing with clothing in the life of Jesus. But um, it's, uh, it's really an important issue yeah. when you think, uh, like Paul says, I would have present you mm -hmm. a bride, you know, pure, spotless, uh, with, uh, again, preparing your, your, the wedding dress or garments, as it were. It's it's really it, it's uh, to misunderstand the meaning of the garment metaphor is what I wrote some of this down uh -huh. is to run the risk of misunderstanding the large portion of what the spirit is saying. Well, yeah, right? because and because it starts with Genesis and it goes all the way through, uh, and so it really does. It really is a metaphor about the spirit, right? Yeah, it tells yeah. you a lot. Clothing tells you a lot, and again. If you study the royal garments, the priests, yes. they'd have royal garments. I'm sorry, the king. Hmm. The priest would have very special garments when he went into the Holy of Holies, when he was doing it, because he was set apart. And yeah. how, how do the people know? By the garments. Right. And so that, that kind of thing. Another example of garments is when they thought somebody was blaspheming, the priest and the, the Pharisees would rip their robes. Yeah. They would tear their clothing. It was, it was like, uh, <clears throat> it's so drastic that they're 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 undone, right? And they would rip their clothes. I mean, they would yeah. tear their garments. Right. That they go, well, I can't believe yeah. you're doing that. But often that would happen when um, somebody was blaspheming and, the, and they would be so offended they would tear their clothes. Well, well, Jonah did that too, didn't he? Uh, when when he was, you know, when all those things happened to him, didn't he rip his clothes or just say? I don't know, I or don't, maybe not. I, I know or, or was that his friends that did that? I forget. No, well, Jonah, when he goes to preach to Nineveh, they hear his message and yeah. they repent in sackcloth okay. and ashes. They because they they mm -hmm. again that was a sign of humility yeah. and repentance. Sackcloth and ashes is often, like I said before, that's a sign of uh, repentance and humility. So as you move through the scripture, yeah, uh, we'll come back. I, I just wanted to in uh, remaining time, and then we'll come back to some of these other clothing issues. But when you see the life of Jesus, we just saw in Luke chapter 2, verse 12, one of the ways that the uh, shepherds would identify this baby, you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes in yeah. a manger yeah. or a trough. That's in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. Then as you move along, you'll see with Jesus, we're told he has sandals. Mark says he's not even worthy to unloose the sandals of Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 7. But then we see when we come up, at the, um, let's say, at his crucifixion, one thing they'll do with Jesus, they'll strip his garments, right. at least momentarily, Mark 15, verse, and put on a purple robe. Huh. Purple was a sign of royalty, and they're mocking him. Yeah. They put a crown of thorns, they put a purple robe, they give a scepter, a reed, and they just start mocking him and spitting on mm -hmm. him. They're, they're, he is the true king of kings and lord, but he's allowing sinful man to do this to yes. him. You see, this is really, really bad. I mean, oh, yeah. that's Mark chapter 15, verse 18. And then as we move along, you'll see when it comes to the uh, crucifixion, mm -hmm. John chapter 19, yeah. verse 23, uh, they're going to remove his tunic. But remember at his transfiguration, it will talk about the fact that he's luminous. It's in uh, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 17. It says, I'll turn there real quick. Where are you but, at? Yeah. Uh, this is when Jesus is transfigured. Mark, Matthew chapter... Matthew? 17, let's see right here. Yeah. Um, okay. It says, um, 
Yep. You got it there. Uh, yeah, uh, 17, what uh, verse? Transfiguration. Uh, there he was. Says, oh, yeah, uh, I got it. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Notice that. His clothes became as white, white as, as light. The light. Do you see that? Yeah. He's radiant now. He's luminous. You'll see the same thing in Revelation chapter 1, where he's, John catches a vision. Yeah, he's in so, so maybe Adam and Eve were, were luminous, and, and they couldn't see their, their naked body because the robe was... We don't know. Yeah, we don't the, know. I'm just it's, curious. It's not I, clearly... Yeah. Because something isn't clear... A good rule of thumb, David, is yeah. where the Bible is silent, I'm silent. All I know <laughs> yeah, is that Psalm, Psalm it yeah. does say God is clothed in light. Right. I quoted that Psalm earlier. And um, we know that man was made in the image of God. So did was yeah. he... Did he was he clothed in light because he was perfect, and then when well, they sinned, it went away? It went, you couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, either, I don't I, I'm making a hard case. Well, but the, I, for some reason, they knew they were naked. They right. knew they had to cover themselves. And we know that one day, um, just as Jesus is, is transfigured here, we're going to be transfigured uh, somehow, some way. And what's implied there is our bodies are going to be different. Now, does that mean we're... Uh, I certainly believe we're going to be luminous or light or... Uh, right. Uh, radiant or something, not on our uh -huh. own, it's because of Christ, right? You know, right. But uh, yeah, I don't. Theologians will press either way on that, so I don't go hardcore. Okay, on that kind of a thing. Okay, but it is interesting. It sure is. But here we see Man. where um, Jesus is, uh, <clears throat> and his clothing it's luminous now. He's radiant, very similar to what you see in his resurrection in uh, Revelation chapter one which we call the apocalypse, which mm -hmm. really means yeah. unveiling, unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ. Then, for his trial, we see they take him and they put the purple robe on him. Mark chapter 15, verse 18. They're mocking out. You say you're king of the Jews. They're mocking him out, right? Right. Uh, and by putting this purple. There's another issue of clothing where Jesus worked. If you remember the Syrophoenician woman in the miracle story, she comes up and says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, oh, yes. I will be healed. And she touches and Jesus <clears> says, who touched me? Yeah. Well, he knows. Yeah. But he wants her to give it perhaps a public testimony. And she says, I just thought if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Because she's unclean. She has an issue of blood. So you're not supposed to talk, touch a rabbi or a priest. So she shouldn't. But Jesus, of course, yeah, he right. And he says, <laughs> power has gone out of me. So there's something going on with his clothing there. You see? Yeah. And so now when you go to the, uh, uh, in John, we're going to get to this idea of um, uh, verse 20. Well, we'll just turn there and we at the cross, what they start doing. What John, is, uh, what chapter? Let's see, 20 is his crucifixion. Let me see, just prior to the crucifixion. How, what they're going to do is strip him of his uh, clothing. Uh, let's see, 16. Um, yeah, chapter 16. Okay. Um, and look at verse 23. Sure. <clears throat> John 16, verse 23. Uh -huh. okay. I'm sorry, verse, I'm sorry, David. Chapter 19. Oh. We're later. Okay. Okay, hold on. Okay, give me a second to, to swing over there. Okay, uh, verse 23 uh -huh. and 19. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. 
Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. No, so this, this is was powerful. what the soldiers did. Oh, yeah. This is a prophecy 2,000 years prior. Right. It's, yeah, it's a thousand years prior, right? Okay, right. So, uh, but it's the idea that when Jesus died... They divided his garment. See, what it was back at that time, you had an outer garment, mm. and then the tunic was made out of, uh, that touched your skin. So that was the inner garment. Yeah. So it says here, they stripped, he, <clears throat> in all honesty, he was probably stripped naked. I mean, that's well, usually yeah, what that's, the, so yeah, what we what have on crucifixes of that. Yeah. Is, is, but anyhow, that was part of the shame of being crucified and the mockery of the process. And we see they're taken out, they've taken off his outer garment, and they're taking off his tunic, the inner garment. Now, the outer garment, they're going to cut into pieces. Because yeah. when soldiers kill somebody, particularly in an execution, you are allowed whatever that uh, prisoner had. Right. So you can divvy it up. Right. You know, he might yeah. have a coin purse. He might have... But the garments were valuable back mm -hmm. then. Yeah. So they cut, but they will not do that to the tunic. Now, what's interesting about this, on a couple levels, is they, um, it doesn't have a seam. It's woven right. from the top to the yeah. bottom in one piece. Now, to me, David, I don't want to make too much of it, but that speaks of Jesus. Uh, he has no beginning. He has no end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Even his cloth that was, this might be the, I'm not making a hard case for this. This might be the only thing he owned on the planet. Wow. Think about it. No, what yeah. he was born... What he was <clears> born, <throat> they put him in a manger. Yeah, right. He didn't have a bed like right. cribs when we, have, you know, when we had our children. We had the baby room in the nursery. Yeah. When when he wanted to preach offshore, he borrowed Peter's boat. When he wanted a donkey to ride into Jerusalem, he says, "Go over there. You'll see something tied up. If the owner comes out, tell him the master has need of it." You see what I'm saying? That's when he wanted to pay taxes, yeah. he says, "Peter, go get that <laughs> fish over there. Open it." Many yeah. people believe he didn't own anything. Boy, he even says. Yeah. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Boy, the birds have nests yeah. and the foxes have dens. But the Son of Man, this might have been the only thing he owned. Wow. Isn't that powerful, though? That sure Even is. his tomb. Gosh. He was buried in another right. man's rich <clears throat> tomb. Right. Yeah. To me, there's a beauty. That's why I'm not real big on movies about Jesus or yes. books. Because the way the scripture presents him, he moves mm -hmm. through time in a very spectacular way, and the Holy Spirit reveals it to you as you read the pages of Scripture, like, this is really neat stuff, what's going on here. Yeah, nothing in the secular world was important to him. He was focused on our, our spirit and our res, you know, our resurrection with him. The most him. powerful man yeah. ever walked. Right. He walks through life in history like this, yeah. and his impact is felt today. You know what I mean? Unbelievable. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just that is powerful. Amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. <clears throat> and so here we see... They they will not cut that, and then yeah. and then of course we know finally when we're looking at, you know starting with the swaddling clothes, and then you move through the it's a beautiful study just the clothing of Jesus oh yeah and then you find out um, he's taken down from the cross right and you'll see this in verse thirty eight of that same chapter same chapter uh huh uh, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes 
about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. So there you have there you have the clothing mm-hmm. that Jesus is now wrapped in. You see, <clears> it <throat> starts with the swaddling clothes. Right. Isn't that interesting? That's oh, birth. yeah. And now at his death, what do we see in these clothes? Now, what's interesting about this, at least I think it is, uh, is what uh, when the, the apostles, when you keep reading down, when Peter and John hear that he's risen, they run to that. You can look at start chapter 20. Verses down one through three. Okay. Uh-huh. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Notice that. He sees the clothing, right? Right. He sees the burial shroud. But look what he says there. Then Simon Peter came following him. He went into the tomb and what? Saw the linen cloth lying there. Yeah, as well as the clothes that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And so now mm-hmm. when John, they think this is John is the other one, mm-hmm. verse 8, then the other disciple who came into the tomb first went also, he saw and what? Believed. believed. Saw what? The linen clothes. Yeah. The burial. Do you see how the shepherds go at the there birth? There it is. They see the smiling clothes. Yeah. And now his mission has been fulfilled. Right. And these men see these empty burial. Did you see the the, yeah, the, the clothing? The importance of clothing. Yeah, in yeah. the life of our Lord, it's really quite amazing yeah. when you track it. <clears throat> it's not gold coins; it's clothing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just it's just it's just amazing. Isn't you that know, something? When you, when you consider, puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it really wow. does. Man. When you look at the life of Jesus, just from a clothing kind of a point of view, and His whole purpose to come in was that we could be clothed with righteousness. You know, it's it's uh, again, it's too. It's too hard for men to sit down and make this story up. No, you know, it's just not. It you you no can't s- even come up with something like this. It, it, it's beyond comprehension. Think about back then too. I mean, just the way it's presented, th- this this wouldn't have come from a human hand. It just, it just does. It doesn't appear that it would have. There's no way because because yeah. everything's tied together perfectly. Uh, from you know Genesis all the way to Revelations. You even go to Revelations and it ties in Revelations four four. So the end, consider the instances of the garment metaphor. Yes. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments mm-hmm. with golden crowns on their head. That's the heaven. That's the throne room. Yeah. You just see all the way through. He wants to show us how this works and how the spirit is involved in the clothing just so we get it. Yeah, right. I mean, and, there's no other way to say it. And then when you come to Revelation, yeah. it says... They were robed in white. Yeah. Robes were washed in mm-hmm. the blood of the Lamb. That's a powerful imagery because, I, I mean, <clears throat> whoever heard yeah. of washing uh, in a detergent in something of blood to make it brilliantly okay. white? Right. But that, that goes with the scripture where it says in, in Isaiah chapter 1, it says this, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, what? They shall be as white as snow. <clears throat> right. Though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. Well, wool is very white, but red and crimson are red. 
right? right. And so when you think of yeah. the blood of Christ, when you come to the blood of Christ, then mm -hmm. your character, your um, your standing before God is made made righteously white, if I could say that. The clothing, yeah. it's just a metaphor. It's right. poetic, but you're now properly clothed. It's like this. If I was, if back in the day of the steel mills in Cleveland, when it was really going, oh. Jones and Laughlin, if you even got close to those blast furnaces, you're mm -hmm. a goner. Mm. It's just, but if you go in there with an asbestos suit, the proper clothing, mm -hmm. right, you could move in there and you handle the dials and stuff like that because you, you're covered with yeah. the proper covering. You know, yeah. you go in and do your, so too, you do not want to go into the presence of God yeah. with our own righteousness. No way. No way, because we, but if well, you're it, covered we're, we're, with the blood. Yeah, well, we, we can't. Well, we can't step on, there's no way that that can happen. It's a terrible thing. Right. That's why if we go in, in the blood of the lamb, you know, we go in and we're cleansed. Then the judge says, your sins are forgiven. Right. You understand? And well, this is, a, this is why. We live in a day and an age of entertainment, David, where people are mocking out God. It's like for comedy, yes. it's a joke. And I believe the demons shudder because God's name is holy and the things of God are extremely holy. But you don't want to stand in the presence of an all-holy God. That's why the Bible says in the Old Testament, it's terrible. It's an awesome, terrible thing for sinners to stand in the, in the presence of an all-holy God. What they call sinners in the hands of an angry God. There is a wrath, you know. Yeah. God doesn't yeah. want us to suffer that. That's why He says, "Repent and flee the wrath to come." Yes, and, and there's two, there's two verses in Revelations I wanted to read that I think tie sure. in nicely. Revelation seven nine. Again, this is by the throne room. It, it says, "After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes." with palm branches in their hands. Then to your point, if you look at Revelation 7, um, excuse me, Revelation 16, 15, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments wow. on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. There you go. You see how yeah. Revelation connects with the book of Genesis? Oh my gosh, it's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's symmetry is beautiful. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. it's symmetry. Yeah. I'm glad you read those verses, David, because that, that that's really significant, you know. And and again, for yeah, our listeners, I, I think it's especially appropriate this Christmas season that we don't lose fact that the fact that the incarnation, I mean, it, it's 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 jaw dropping if you really step back and say the infinite became an infant, the the one who dwelled in eternity entered into space and time in a, such a humble fashion, yes, you know, in a yeah. stable in a manger. You know, when I lived in Bangkok, we went to the Royal Palace. Uh, you could go on a tour there, you know, the ancient palace. And they have one room where the nursery was, and you see where the prince was born. Uh -huh. And yeah. his crib, I'm not kidding you, it was like gold and silver, and the mosquito netting over it was, was uh, gold uh, right. lace yeah. and trim. Wow. But that's where you put a prince. That's where you yeah. put a future king. Not in a manger. Yeah. It, animals came, yeah. you see. But Jesus came meek and lowly. And it's perfect where you see this picture. You know, the empty the empty manger, the empty cross, mm -hmm. the empty tomb. Mm -hmm. You see, empty cross. What, you know, John, what this drive home, you know, really drives home to me is how much we are focused on acquisition mm -hmm. of things mm -hmm. in this world. And really the only thing that is important is our spiritual health. Yeah, really. That is it. And and that's, even when you look at Christ, his focus, 
he could have willed anything he wanted in his home. He could have had the best house oh. anywhere and everything he wanted, but his focus was our spiritual health. So that is really important to me. And also, you can work your whole life to build all of these assets for nothing. nothing. For not. Same it characters. doesn't open the gates. It doesn't get you in. And so I think that's really this time of year with Christmas, uh, when we think about that, our dead selves working like a, a mice, uh, you know you know how mice go on the yeah, treadmill and they just keep going, working in vain. And, and, and that's really, so I love this time of year because like you, I reflect on the year past. I reflect on the fact that he cared enough to come to save us and redeem us and show us the way. Right. And then when you look at the, the next year coming up, it really does put things in perspective. Perfect. You it said really it, does, John. It does. And, and, you know, everybody listening, first of all, I'm very thankful for this radio station, David, WNZN. Yes, have we're very platform. blessed to have it. We'd like to thank Mark Ballard for the opportunity to be here every week. For this past year, we had a really great show. And I thank everybody that tunes in here on a weekly basis. And um, and this Christmas season, like David said, really consider, you know, I'm going to close on this, but when yeah. my daughter was younger, and I'd say, uh, my daughter Mary, I'd say, why is it, Mary, when it's your birthday, you get gifts. When it's my birthday, I get gifts. Uh -huh. But it's when it's Jesus' birthday, everybody get gifts. <laughs> and she says, because God so loved the world, he gave. He's the only son. Am I right? Yeah, it's, it's the so, one birthday right. that everybody gets yeah, a gift. Right. And that's really yeah. the story yeah. that under that tree, the cross, there's a there's a gift with your right. name on it. Yeah. If you're listening, your name is on a gift. <clears throat> my name was on a gift. You have an option. You can either take the gift, receive it, into yourself and have the most precious gift of all, or you can let it lay there. So, John, maybe the you know the gift for the listeners, for people that they would love to see what you're seeing as a follower of Christ. Maybe it's just a, a really easy to read Bible, yeah. uh, you know, just to open the Word to them, um, and then have them read John. You always yeah. tell me yeah, right, the right. first books to get people to read start with John. One chapter a day, yeah. just prayerfully. If you're not a believer, ask God to reveal Himself yes. by reading John chapter. I want to close, David, because it is sure. Christmas time. Sure. I want to close. This is a famous poem, uh, well well um, known over time, mm -hmm. but it's called This Idea of One, One Solitary Life. And it's about how this one man affected life mm -hmm. uh, forever and ever. Let me just pick it up. Okay. Let me go here. Let Who's go it by, John? Uh, Blanchard is the man in the name that okay. wrote this. Okay. And uh, people, people have talked about this thing. And it's just about uh, no other man ever did what Jesus did when he came to earth. I mean, literally all of history uh, was changed as a result of this man's one life on this planet. And when you consider it, people should just think, okay, wh wh why is this? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. why is this? Art, right. literature, uh, clinics, orphanages, all up and down throughout human history. And like I always tell people, your birth birthday is based on his birthday. You know, it's dated. Yeah. He says here. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30 years old. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. 
While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between mm. two thieves. Yeah. While he was dying, the executioners gambled for one piece of property he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in the borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. 19 long centuries have, 20 now, 20 long centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of pro progress. I am far within the mark when I say that of all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. Beautiful. So that's, that's why a great I want way to people, end this. Great way to end. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Bless Christmas to yes. all of you. Uh, look forward to next week. Touch yes. base again. Thanks again. Happy for holidays, in. everybody. God bless. God bless you.